Knox Game Design. January 2023, JavaScript and HTML Canvas. Welcome everyone to Knox Game Design for January 2023. My name is Levi Smith. So this month I'm going to be talking about uh, JavaScript and how to make a simple game in JavaScript. So go ahead and get started. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to have an HTML canvas. This is going to be a web game. It'd be good for making a game jam game to give to people to play on the web. Um, so we're going to start with an HTML canvas. Uh, it's very important to set the ID of the canvas, set, set its width and property, and that ID is significant. So you'll need to remember that because you're going to have another file, the JavaScript code file, which I think you can actually put that in the same, but I always put my JavaScript in a separate file, and you can actually include it with what I have right here, JavaScript source uh, tag right there. You can specify it as a separate file. So that's how I'm going to be doing it. And you use document.get element by ID to get a reference to that canvas. So canvas is basically like if you're familiar with Java, Java uses a canvas. It's basically like your drawing area. Um, and you get a reference uh, to that drawing area using canvas get context 2D, pass it in 2D in quotes. And then you can use uh, onload in your HTML body to... Uh, that's the function that's going to start up when your when your browser starts up. So here here we have our HTML right here, and you can see in the head I got the script uh, source right there. So we're going to start out with demo zero one. I'm going to step go through step by step, showing how this game is created. Um, so we're going to have like demo one, demo two, demo three, and and so forth. So you see the start game you in the onload just in your body tag uh, of your HTML page you specify onload and you pass in that function in your, your JavaScript that you want to be called whenever your game starts and then you have just define a canvas uh, and like I said the ID is significant I'm calling it the canvas right there then you specified the width and the height of that canvas then in your JavaScript file we're gonna have that function called start game and we're going to define the canvas using that document.get element by ID and pass in that whatever you called it you can call it whatever you want to but it just has to match what you called it in your HTML uh, file right there wherever you call the canvas ID and then we're going to have this context deal here in our JavaScript CTX that's going to get canvas get context so ctx is really what we're going to use you can call it whatever you want to i'm calling it ctx here uh, so yeah i'm using visual studio code yeah so here's our html file right here you can see the where i've included the javascript and then the canvas right here then i got the demo 01js in a separate file but in the same directory so yeah we've got a function start game then we're going to get our canvas get element by ID and I am using Visual Studio Code you can use whatever editor you want notepad VI Emacs whatever you choose to use um, so yeah we get our CTX using get context 2d so the first thing I want to do so for this demo I'm gonna create a little just a simple text drawing I guess uh, it says Knox Game Design. I'll go ahead and show it first. Uh, so this is what it looks like right here. <laughs> Just 
Nox and red, then game and green, and design and cyan uh, on a gray <coughs> background. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to use that CTX and set the fill style to gray using C0, C0, C0. Um, then we're going to do CTX fill rec. So I'm just passing in the upper left-hand corner, 0, 0, and the width is 1280 and the height is 720. Uh, if you've got a different cam canvas size, you'll have to use different values. But that's one thing. It isn't going to automatically clear your canvas for you. Uh, you kind of got to do it yourself using a clear rect. So next thing we're going to do is we're going to set the font to 128 pixels. I think you can use points and other. I'm, I'm just doing pixels, 128 pixels. Just using Arial default because I know it's installed. Uh, and then we're going to do CTX fill style. So this is where we're setting the color of our text. So we're going to set, set it to red. So the first two hex digits are red. The second two are green. Third two are blue. So FF is 255, which means all red, no green, no blue. Then we're going to do fill text. We're going to write Knox. It's important to use fill text if you do stroke text. I believe it just does like the outline. So we're going to write Knox at 32, and then at 128, Y, X32, Y128. Then in blue, we're going to set CTX fill style to 00, zero FF00, zero, zero, which is or green. Uh, then we're going to write game, then at the same X position, then we're going to move the Y position down by 128 pixels, 128 times 1. Then for design, it's going to be cyan, so that's zero, zero is no red. FF is all green, and FF is all blue, so that's cyan, all green, and all blue. So then we're going to fill text design, same exposition, then we're going to move it down another 128 pixels right there. So that's what, what it gets us, uh, Knox game design right there. So that that's, that's just like a simple example of how to get started. I mean, just just get something on the screen first. So the next part, of, next step of the example, um, we're going to basically use the same HTML file, except I'm changing the script source to demo02. Uh, so we look at demo02, we're going to have start game. Uh, same thing going on here. We're going to uh, gray out. Just fill the whole entire canvas with gray using a fill rect. And then we're going to set fill style to all blue. And then we're going to draw a rectangle at 00, 6464. So if we go to our browser and change this to demo 02, press enter. So there it is. Uh, it's just a gray screen with a blue box in the upper left-hand corner. So, so that's kind of like the first step. I mean, after you get something written on the screen, just get a box on the screen. If you look at the slides, I think I, I say the same thing in the slides. So yeah, basically that's showing. First step is to draw a rectangle, a little blue rectangle right there. And just showing how to set the fill style and fill a rectangle. Magnifier's getting in the way there. So the next thing we're going to do, next part of the example is actually like defining the player. So 
exit out of that. Look at let's look at demo three. So the HTML is going to be the same, except it's just going to just going to change the source to demo three JS. So if you look at demo three, so I added a player class. So this is sort of object oriented right here. So we got a player. So it's going to have a width and a height. I'm just going to set that to 64, an X and a Y position. So we're going to set the X position at halfway. So we're going to do 1280, the width. Really, you, you probably want like a constant for that. Uh, there might be a way to actually get the canvas width and height. I'm not sure. Subtract off the player's width, then divide it by two. That'll center up that square. Then Y, we're just going to put it two-thirds of the way down the screen in the Y position. And then we're going to have a velocity X and a velocity Y. So we're just going to set those to zero uh, to begin with. And oh, by the way, it is in a function called constructor. Um, do I manually call constructor? Yeah, I think constructor is actually the name of the constructor. So... Uh, if you have, so right here I'm creating a new player in our start game. Uh, so whenever you create that, have that class player, that constructor method is going to call, get called whenever um, that new <coughs> player gets created. It's going <coughs> to get called before anything else gets called. So yeah, I kind of set this up like uh, any other game development environment framework type thing. Uh, so have a draw method right here, uh, and you, I'm going to pass in that reference to that CTX object and set the fill style. So it's going to be blue, like a blue uh, box, and then we're going to fill a rectangle at the X and Y. So you, in JavaScript, one thing you got to look out for is this must trip me up quite a bit. I want to just call fill rect x and y. I kind of expect x and y to be like instance variables, but you call you have to call like this dot x and this dot y. So you're going to see a lot of this, 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 this. Couldn't figure out any other way around that. Really wanted you to have that in there. Then the width and the height. So that's just a simple drawing of the player. Just going to be a blue box. Then on update, we're going to add the X velocity to the X position and the Y velocity to the Y position. <coughs> so I'm really not doing any like delta time or anything like that. So if we look at demo three in our browser, it's gonna it's gonna be the same thing, except we got our block, like I said, centered on the X. You gotta kind of expand this out. It's centered on the X. And then two-thirds of the way, actually the top is two-thirds of the way down. So right there, just two-thirds of the way. So the next part is going to be the game loop. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to, so I did some research on this, and this is like the proper way to do an animation or do games is you use window dot. Uh, request animation frame update. So that's kind of like going to do our delta time for us. So I got a function called update and you pass in time current and delta time is going to be time current minus the previous time divided by a thousand um, to put it in seconds. Then time previous is going to get time current. So you're just going to increment that. Then we're going to draw. Then we're going to, for all our objects, we're going to call that object.update. 
And then we're going to call window request animation frame, then pass it update. So just the same name of the function that you called here. And then in raw, we're just going to call, we're going to clear the screen. And then we're going to call draw on all our objects. And if you want the, the frames per second, you do one over delta time. So one thing I, one reason I checked that out was because I wanted to know how fast a game could run in JavaScript. And so far, I've been able to do 60 frames a second in a JavaScript game, which is pretty cool. I don't think I got around to doing graphics or, or sprites or anything, but just doing simple blocks, I was able to do 60 frames a second in a JavaScript game. So let's exit out of that and go back here. So demo four JS. So we still have our player right here in our constructor. Nothing has changed up here, and this is all the same. So you have added uh, the update. So you have, in your start game, that's where you want to put window request animation frame update. Um, so window is just kind of like a reserved type word. You just get it by default. Uh, then you call update. And it's kind of like a recursive thing. So window request animation frame update. So every time it calls update, it's going to call request animation frame again. It seems like that would cause like a stack overflow type thing. If it recursed too deeply. Uh, I haven't seen any problems with that. It just so... I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's a problem because that's the way that I've seen other people, uh, other examples do this. So if we look at, so I don't have any moving or anything yet. Um, so I think this is just going to look the same. So look at demo four, HTML. Oh yeah, I do have moving. So it just slowly moves to the right. So if we go back and look at the code, yeah, right here I set velocity x to one. I'm I'm kind of using like 64 as the unit size, so it's going to move 64 pixels in a second. I think uh, or maybe it just moves one pixel, it moves one pixel on every update. Yeah, that's what it does. So keyboard input. So that, that's good. We've got something moving around on the screen. Um, so now if we want to do keyboard input, you use document.onkeyDown. These are like just global functions outside of your class. And you use this key pressed, E, comma, E, pipe, pipe, window event, dot, key code. I think it said something about this is becoming obsolete, the code method, uh, but it seems to still work. Uh, then when your key's up, you use document on key up, function E, same thing, key released, E, window, that's wrong, that should be window. <laughs> uh, but in this game, I'm not checking on key up, I don't believe, so yeah, that's a typo right there. Um, so the nice thing for the letter keys on the keyboard, it uses the ASCII key, character key values, or the ASCII values, it doesn't use scan codes or anything like that. But it uses like special numbers for the arrow keys. So arrows are, the arrow keys are 37, 38, 39, and 40. And space is always is 32. 
So I have like a key pressed function right here and I switch on the key that was pressed. If it's A or the left arrow, then move left. If it's um, F, no D, or uh, right arrow, then we're gonna call P move right. If it's uh, up, if it's e W or up key, then we're gonna move up. Or if it's S or the down arrow key, then we're gonna move down. And here's our move left, move right, move up, or move down. So I actually put most of the code in the slide. So I won't take too much time looking at the code, but here's demo five. So here's our constructor. So um, set the X and Y to uh, five. So here's where I changed it. So I have a unit size now. So now I have everything in 64 pixel units, which makes things a little bit easier to work with. Easier to work with units than actual pixels. Uh, so the width is one, the height is one. I changed that. Um, the X and Y position are five. And we're going to set the velocity of X to five. So it's going to be five units in a second, I believe. And in our update, I'm calculating the delta time. I actually have the delta time printed out right here. Uh, the velocity times delta time. So X, we're just going to add and assign the velocity of X times delta time. Then Y is going to add and assign the velocity Y times delta time. And here's our, like, I did have to add global variables for time previous, and got a P for the player. Um, so you got to declare those outside uh, the class to be global, declared outside of a function. <coughs> and that's basically it. So demo 5, let's take a look at it. Yeah, so it's kind of zooming along five units a second. One, two, three, four, five. Is that five? One, two, three. Yeah, it's about five units. Five times 64 pixels. And you can see our delta time. It's hovering around 16, which is uh, 60 frames per second. Um, there's our X position. It keeps on going. <laughs> Um, I forget what that bottom number is right there. Okay, so we got our box moving. Oh, did we had keyboard. Yeah, we didn't add the keyboard input yet. Maybe that's the next one. Let's take a look at demo six. Yeah, so demo six is where we actually get into. So demo five was just converting from using pixels for X and Y to using units. So demo six is actually doing the keyboard input. So a lot of this is the same right here. Um, I added some bounds checking. So if the X position is less than zero, then we're gonna keep them inside the canvas. If it's greater, X plus width is greater than the screen width. I did define constants for the screen width and height. And I have that defined in in, in units right there to keep things simple. 20 and 11, 20 for the width and 11 for the height. Um, then why we're doing the same, keeping the player from moving outside the view. Here's our move left, I already talked about these. Move left, 
just going to set the velocity to negative 5, move right, we're going to set the velocity to 5, move up, we're going to set y velocity to negative 5, move down, we're going to set the y velocity to 5. Then we got this stop moving left uh, and stop moving right, stop moving up, stop moving down. So that means if you're holding down like left and you press right, then we're going to stop moving left. Or if we change directions, we're going to set the velocity to zero. Um, same global variables. And draw. And here's our on key down right here. Like I said, this is kind of out of date. Looks like I did change that wando. <laughs> I just didn't change it in the slide right there. <coughs> There's our key release. So when we release the key, then we're going to stop moving in that direction. So the reason we really had to stop moving is because you can hold left, then press right, and then let go of left. But we don't want to completely stop. That's why it does that check. So if the velocity of x is less than zero, that means you're only holding left. But if you're if you pressed left and you pressed right, and now you're going positive x, velocity and positive x, and then let go of left, then we don't want to like set the x velocity back to zero because we're already moving right. So that's why you got to do stop moving left. Um, demo six. Take a look at it. Yeah, so there's our box right there. And press, you know, just have to take my word for it. I'm pressing left, pressing right, pressing up, pressing down. So we don't have acceleration. So here's I'm pressing left, then pressing right, then letting go of left. So now I'm going left, pressing down right, letting go of left. So there's no stoppage. That's why you got to have stop moving left. So the only problem with this, you can go left and up. And you're going to go like a full velocity diagonally, which actually speeds you up a little bit. So really, you'd want to like get the uh, normalize that. I uh, think divided by square root of two, because otherwise you're going 1.14 times. Then you would be going either up, down, left, or right. That's you'll run into that quite a bit in, in game design if you're doing 2D games. So enemy class. Uh, so we're just going to add an enemy. A green box right here. We're going to have a countdown timer. So this is going to be like a little uh, space alien defenders game, whatever it's called. Um, so the enemy's just going to bounce back left and right. So we're going to have a countdown variable for when it's going to change direction. Uh, we're going to keep track of the uh, current velocity and, and the max countdown. So let's look at the, co let's look at the code. 07. Move this back here. Um, so yeah, we've got speed now. That's going to be our maximum speed. Set X and Y position. Draw nothing new, but I did add the unit size right there to all the values. Um, update delta time. All the same stuff there. Stop moving. Here's our enemy class. So it's basically the same thing as the player. 
Got a width and a height, just going to be one, 64 pixels. We've got a speed five. Got an X and Y position, three and two. Got a velocity of X to two. It's going to start the enemy out going in the positive X direction, two units per second. We're going to set our countdown to five. And then we're going to set, that's the max countdown. Then we're going to set the current countdown to the max countdown. So on every update, we're going to subtract off delta time from the countdown. And then if the countdown is less than or equal to zero, then we're going to change direction by setting the x velocity to the x velocity times negative one. And then we're going to add and assign the max countdown. So that takes into account any like bleed over below zero. <laughs> you could just set the countdown back to max countdown, but if actually the countdown goes a little bit below zero, we're just going to add that chunk of countdown to that. Um, so all this is the same. I did add like a time previous and set that to negative one. So we're not, we're not funky things will happen if you're not checking that time previous on the first frame. Uh, so we only want to calculate that delta time on the second frame. We don't want to calculate it on the first frame. Uh, so this is all the same. It's all the same. Okay, I guess that's it. So yeah, that's just moving an enemy. And we still have the player control. So let's take a look at demo 7. Okay, so now we have our enemy moving around. It's going to move for five seconds, then bounce back the other way. We also have, still have our blue box moving around here. But yeah, he's just going to, no collision detection or anything like that yet. So he's just going to bounce back and forth every five seconds. So the next thing we want to do is add some collision, because just no collision is not any fun. Um, so I'm going to add a bullet class. I'm going to instantiate a bullet when the, when the space button is pressed. Uh, I'm going to add the collision. If you want to know more about collision, 2D collision, look at the Knox game design from February 2022. Talk all about 2D collision. But this time we're just doing it in JavaScript. Uh, and then whenever the bullet and the enemy collide, then we're going to destroy the bullet and destroy the enemy. If you want to do a more complex game, then you would actually just subtract off health. And then uh, if the health is, of the enemy is below zero, then, uh, then destroy the enemy. And same thing goes for the bullet. If you want like a penetrating bullet or something, then, then you could actually add health to your bullet as well. Um, it's like a sniper rifle or something like that. But anyway, so here's our check collision. Like I said, if you want to know more about 2D collision, it's pretty simple. So we're just checking to see if it's not if it's not to the left, it's not to the right, and it's not above, and it's not below, then it's collided. So we're kind of like taking the opposite to check and see if it's collided. So that's what all this is doing right here. We put it all in one big or statement. So we assume it's collided by default. But if it's outside, if the bullet is outside the enemy or whatever two objects it is, then if it's outside the other one, then we're going to say has collided. It is false. Then we're going to return has collided. And then on check collision, we're going to call this has collided method, pass in the coordinates for the bullet and the width and height of the bullet, pass in the coordinates for the enemy and the width and height of the enemy, 
Then if it has collided, not doing score or anything for this example. Uh, if we're doing score, we just add to the score. Uh, but here we're just destroying the enemy in the bullet by sending them to null. And go over here. And we're gonna go to demo eight. Actually, we should look at the code first. Demo eight. So yeah, basically that was the code on the slide there. So yeah, I got a shoot method here now inside of the inside of the player class. We just have it's just shoot. It doesn't function or def or anything. You just call it whatever it is right there. There's nothing before the method name. So if when we're going to shoot, we're going to assign B. So B is like another. Uh, global variable. So now we have a var e and a var b. So right now you can only shoot one bullet each time, which isn't very interesting, not very fun. But uh, if you if we were to develop this further, we'd have like a whole list of or an array of bullets. So the bullet x position gets the player's x position. Bullet's y position gets the y position. Really, we should like center the x position, but uh, not worrying about that right here. Well, and then we're going to set the velocity to negative eight, minus eight right there. The enemy is the same. So now we have our bullet class right here, and we're going to set the width and height to 0.5. So that's 64 times 0.5 is 32, so it's going to be 32 pixels wide and 32 pixels high. Uh, we really don't care about the X and Y because we're going to set that whenever it gets instantiated. Uh, and then we're going to set the velocity to minus. So I guess we're doubly setting the velocity here. Uh, set the countdown to 5. Now, I, don't th I think this is left over from the enemy. I don't think we need countdown. Or actually, that could be for the life right there. No, that's wrong. Yeah, just get rid of that. Yeah, those don't need to be in there. Uh, so draw, we're just going to draw the bullet red. Update delta time. Really, we don't even need the X position right here. We just need to update Y. Then on every update of the bullet, we're going to check collision. So on check collision, really I should have like one generic collision check method, but I just have it stuck inside the bullet right here. Actually, yeah, has collided is our generic method right there. So check collision inside the bullet is going to call, it should be down here somewhere. Yeah, has collided. Yeah, if you can't tell, I made these slides about two weeks ago. <laughs> I'm just now getting to recording this, so I'm having to go back and think a little bit about how I laid out the code on this. So demo eight, was that eight? Yeah, so now we got shooting. If we shoot the enemy, then he disappears. We're setting it to null. Uh, then he gets stuck right there because he, he doesn't know how to check collision with null. So there really should be like a uh, a check around here to see if, if the enemy is not null before you check if he has collided. So the next thing is arrays. So kind of this is a little bit easier than some other languages. So we're going to have an array of enemies. 
Uh, so we add multiple instances. We're going to push enemies onto the array using that dot push. Uh, then we can loop through these using a for loop and using array.length uh, to get the length of the array and just use standard array notation. So then you have to define the array. It's just going to be E equal sign, then, then uh, open square bracket, close square bracket, square brace. Mm. So let's look at the code for 09 and basically all this should be the same so i have my globals kind of like stuck in here i could probably like she break this into more files but yeah so in our our start game that gets called that's where i have e equals and the square brackets and then i'm going to do four i zero to eight and then for J is 0 to 4, then we're going to create a new enemy using the I and J as the X and Y positions. Then we're going to use that push to add those to the array. Um, and the only other, so in the draw, when we draw, we're going to call P.draw. And then if E is not null, then we're going to go through the length that array then call e then the index which i just have as i and call draw and pass ctx then if the bullet's not null then draw the bullet um and I, and the bullet right here in our collision it's going to call check collision yeah, so right here on update it's going to loop through all of the enemies I'm just going to call this, which is bullet.checkcollision, with every single enemy, the enemy at that index of i. So then it's going to use the standard check collision um, to see if it's collided with that enemy or not. So that was demo 9. Okay, so now we got... So the nice thing is, is like once you start instantiating the enemy, they all take the properties of that one enemy. So they're just, you don't have to program anything to get these, all of these other guys to move back and forth. They just do that on their own because they're just doing whatever the enemy instance did. So yeah, you now we're shooting, like I said, they only shoot one at a time, but uh Whenever they collide with an enemy, then we're going to set the bullet to null and the enemy to null. So, so yeah, it's kind of starting to feel like a game now. We've got the enemies moving around, multiple enemies and shooting and, and things like that. So the next step is the game overstay. <clears throat> so check for game over in the main game loop. Uh, loop through each enemy. So we're going to assume that the game is um over and but if there is an enemy alive then we're going to set it to not over if none are alive after leaping through then set the game over boolean to true so let's look at demo 10 and let's see here so we're going to go to our start game so we're going to set is game over to false. That's kind of like another global type variable right there. 
and in update we're going to call check game over and then we have check game over defined down here at the bottom okay so the way i'm doing it here is i have is enemy alive that's false so then we're going to loop through all the enemies and then if there is an enemy that is alive so we have a property of the enemy called is alive if there's one that is alive then we're going to set enemy is alive to true then if there's not an enemy alive then it's game over you've defeated all the enemies so i guess there's a few different ways you can handle that so demo 10 so it's gonna take me a minute to shoot all of these guys so yeah you just got to think every time Actually, on I think it's on every up. No, it's on every collision. I'll have to go back and look at it. There's a couple ways you can handle this. You can check on every frame to see if all the enemies, if there's any enemies alive. Or the better thing to do is only check to see if the game is over whenever a bullet collides with an enemy. So, game over. You win. <laughs> yeah, so the best thing to do is only check after after you've uh the bullets collided with an enemy let's go back and look update yeah so i'm check i'm checking game over on every frame on every update that's not a good thing to do i should have put that in in the collision right here should have had it like right here I should say if it if the if it has collided like right here then check game over down here unless you have some other game over con condition such as you've got to the end of the level so you may still have some enemies around so there's there could be multiple different game over states for a game or times up things like that um, so that there isn't always just one game over condition so sound, so I made some simple sounds. Uh, I think I did it in BFXR. Imported um, it into Audacity, you can see the waveform right there. So you create a new audio object, pass in the file name as a parameter. Uh, I believe it works with waves and MP3s and maybe other, I haven't, didn't try augs or anything like that. You can call play to play it. Set loop property to false or else it's gonna start looping and which you want looping for music, but not for sound effects like explosions and, and, and lasers, <laughs> shooting, things like that. So, yeah, I got in our shoot right here. So if you did shoot, if you shot a bullet, then we're going to play sound shoot. Um... Yeah, so I got a variable here called sounds. So I got sounds shoot. So yeah, I got a new audio assets shoot.wave. So that's just a subfolder of your game. So I got like shooter right here. Here's all my shooter files, and I got assets. Uh, so they're shooting right there. And I think I, maybe I did do sprites. I can't remember. <clears throat> so sounds shoot. Did I do a uh, function? Yeah, so I have a function called played sound. You pass in string. 
So I guess I just kind of wrapped it up in this play sound right here. So you just pass in the name string right there. So sound string, then loop gets false, then string.play. You could just call put these right in the function up here. But. Okay, so I did do drawing sprites. Um, so, oh, I didn't do the demo of the sound. Yeah, this is actually going longer than I expected. Okay, demo 11. So hopefully, turn the desktop audio up a little bit. So that's sound. And music's the same, except you just set leaping to tree. Okay, so drawing sprites, you can create a new sprite instance with uh, a new image. So the image is what you need. Uh, set the file using .src properties. So I have like an array of images. This is what I do for a lot of like game development environments like mono game and other things. I'll just create like a dictionary or an array hash table of Im images or whatever asset it is, whether it's a, a sound file or a sprite or whatever. I just have like a hash of that hash table. So create a new image. Then we do images enemy.src gets assets enemy.png. And that's probably what, what we saw over here. So I got a bullet. Got a bullet, a little 32 by 32, an enemy, and a ship. I actually took these sprites from the SDL presentation I did. I guess it was a couple of years ago. Time's really flying. Um, but yeah, that'll get us some sprites. You use CTX, that context, draw image, you pass in the reference to the image, and then the X and Y position, the width and the height. The destination x and y and the destination which and width and height to draw it. So that's what I got down here. Draw image. Uh, when you look at it in the code, let's demo. Yeah, that's the very last one. Demo 12. Yeah, so in draw, draw for the player, We now we have CTX draw image. So we're going to draw the ship, x and y, unit size, uh, for... The enemy, we're going to replace. So we're only going to draw it if he is alive. Because um, there may be a, I don't know, there may be a, a case where the enemy still alive and not not actually set to null yet. So I went ahead and put this is alive in there, which is what I do for a lot of games anyway. Uh, but yeah, CTX draw images and images enemy, zero, zero. I should have put like unit width, unit size right there. I just put 64, 64. Then the destination size is going to be the same, X and Y, width and height. Bullets the same, except it's, yeah, it's going to be 16 by 16. Using images bullet. And where we're loading those images in is right here in our on our start game. The very first function we started out with. So we've got an images array or hash table. So we've got enemy, new image. Images enemy.src equals assets enemy.png. Then we do the same for the ship. And then we do the same for the bullet. 
and that's all there is to it uh, to get some simple sprites on the screen. Let me go ahead and show the demo. Yeah, so there they are. There's our ship, our enemy. Now we're shooting, shooting bullets. Gotta shoot them all. So yeah, if you were to take this further, we would have like a score and game over and power up. Well, he got game over, but uh, power ups, uh, background music, special effects, particles, all that. Oh, and the other thing I didn't mention is animation. So doing animation is a little bit more work, just a little bit trigger. I'm not going to get onto, into it on this presentation, but... Basically, just want to have a, a collection of images that you'll loop through, but you've got to make sure that you add a little bit of a delay between the, the animation frames or also just flicker too fast. But that's for another time. Not going to get into that here. Um, I didn't mention here random numbers. I think I was going to do like a number guessing thing or a dice roll, but yeah, use math random if you want some random randomness. There was no randomness in that demo that I just did, uh, so that's why I'm mentioning that here. Uh, so if you want, want a number from 1 to 6, you're doing math.floor, math random times 5. They'll give you a number. Math random times 5 will give you a number 0 to 5, then you add 1 to that to get, get a number from 1 to 6. Oh. And the very last slide, I just thought I'd mention it here in most browsers. So you can actually debug this in like Edge or whatever, Firefox, Brave, whatever browser you want. Um, but most of them have developer tools. You just go to more, more tools, developer tools. And then if you're having errors, which I, I did have errors, issues when developing this, um, then you can look and see what those are. Yeah, right there. Oops. Yeah, so you just go to... I've heard some people call this like the hamburger button, but you have more tools. More tools, and then developer tools right there. And then you click on console. So if there, if I was having errors with that, with this, it would show up right here. And you can, I think you can also do like some debugging and, and change variables and other things like that through the console which is kind of cool, but just be aware. I know I've seen other JavaScript games out there. Uh, people can hack your game using the JavaScript console. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you're doing a JavaScript game, it isn't very secure. I don't know. That's a whole another can of worms right there. So the last thing that I wanted to show, so I'm trying to make this like a, uh, a usual thing that I do here. Uh, so open file, especially with these 2D games, I want to open folder. So I got the, just like I did with the, uh, with the logo, go ahead and save that. Uh, I did the Tennessee flag. So if we open up this and we go to, I think it's, hopefully it'll pop up. Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee flag. <laughs> so there it is, Tennessee flag in JavaScript. Uh, using Canvas, HTML5 Canvas. Uh, so if we want to look at the code for this, 
It's pretty simple. So Tennessee HTML is kind of the same thing. You use the same exact tent. I even used the start game, same width and height. Got it in Tennessee.js. So look at here. Got our start game, setting up our canvas right there. I'm gonna I scaled this up because the reference image I used before was like a lot smaller. So I scaled this by five, scale or four. Got this scale set to four, which is kind of nice if we want to make it like smaller we can set scale to two and it should refresh and be half the size or somewhat half the size um so the fill style so I defined a, a red color red white and blue because the red is not pure red and the blue is like a midnight blue or something i want to say i looked it up it's like on the tennessee state history page you can find all about the technical names or the proper names historical names of the colors and it's like really crimson instead of red uh but yeah so i filled the rect fill the red rectangle fill the little white band there is a white band out there if we change the background then you'd actually see the white stand out and the blue at the very end uh then we're going to translate this so this is going to move like our drawing position to the center then we're going to do a fill style. This is something I didn't mention before, but there's a begin path that you can use to draw shapes, such as, in this case, a circle, which you use arc. And I think it's like X and Y and the radius. It'll probably tell you right here if you hover over it long enough. Uh, I had to look it up. I'll put all the references I used uh, on the Knox Game Design website. Uh, but there is like, I think Mozilla has the, the whole like JavaScript API type reference. Uh, but yeah, we're going to draw a white circle first. So yeah, that's the circle around here. And then after that, we're going to draw the blue circle on the inside. We're going to just draw the blue right on top of that. And then, so you got to call fill after you draw the arc to fill, fill it in. And two times, so everything in JavaScript is in radians. So uh, if you're familiar with degrees, then you just multiply by pi over 180 to convert from degrees to radians. So just know that everything's in radians. So we're going to draw the th three stars. Uh, I'm going to use a radius of 17. Uh, so that's going to be 17 times the scale that we defined earlier. So 17 times 4 will be the radius. And pixels. I, I did look online about the positioning of the stars, and I've heard about people talk about this in the past. It's like, well, the, the star on the right side is at 2.30 if you're looking at a clock, and the one on the left side is like at 10.30. So I actually mathematically calculated the position of the stars. So 2.30 equals, so I, I divided the clock up into 24 slices because uh, you got 1 through 12, then you got the 30s, halfway between so that gives us 24 slices of the, of the clock so 230 would be at position 5 so I did 5 times 360 divided by 24 gives us 75 so that's going to be 75 in degrees so then I got to convert that uh, right here degrees to radians pi over 180 um, so 120, 360 divided. So yeah, so 120 is the spacing between the stars. We've got three stars, 
So we're going to take 360, 360 degrees around a circle, divide that by three, they'll give us 120. So they need to be 120 degrees spaced apart in the circle. And then, okay, so whenever you start at zero, the circle starts on the far right side on the x-axis, and then I believe it goes down clockwise. So to move it, so basically on a standard circle, degree zero is going to be at three o'clock. So we need to move it back up to 12 o'clock to the top. So that's why we got to subtract off nine degrees because nine degrees moves it back to 12, 12 o'clock on a clock. So yeah, I got the X offset, Y offset, calculate all that, set transform and scale. Oh, so set transform, that's going to reset all the drawing properties. It's going to reset the drawing transform. So if you start making like scales and rotations and and translations especially, uh, you need to call set transform to reset that whenever you're drawing something new. And that's really important for the stars because if you start like rotating the star and you're currently drawing on the middle of the screen, it's going to rotate around the upper left-hand corner. So it's not going to rotate the star around the center. So that's why I had to call set transform back there to center it back up. Uh, then we'll translate back to the center, translate, then rotate. Uh, let's see here, fill. So we're going to fill the star with white. Then we're going to draw a star we pass that same context. So yeah, we're going to have one draw star function for all three stars. So we're going to call the same begin path. This is like a quick and dirty method I found to draw a star. So basically you go around the circle and you put five points. And what I did was I drew from the first point and then I added two to the index and drew to every other point. So it starts at the top, skips the next one, draws down, skips the next one, draws over, then it skips the first one, comes back, and then it skips the other one and comes back down. So it gives us a like a star. The only downside to doing it this way, if you actually like draw the outline or the stroke, you're going to see the inside. You're actually going to see like the pentagram in the middle. So the proper way, I guess, like in the logo program I did is just to do each triangle. That's, that's the more proper way to do it. But this way work is simple. Um, so yeah, we use a CTX move to, to move to the first position right there then like i said we're going to skip every other one that's what the j plus two is so while j is less than 12 so we're going to do this six times so 12 divided by two is six um so we're just going to set the next degrees to 72 times j that's going to be where we're drawing to so we're going to draw from the current position the current point to the next point, then call. See, after we're done drawing all the lines, then we're going to call call fill to uh, to fill it in. And you know, like I said, we're going to rotate it. That's the hardest part. I kind of had to do some trial and error to get the rotation of the stars. This was actually easier to do in Logo because Logo, you just go around, draw it, then you rotate, then you draw it, and you rotate and you draw it. This. It'll actually give you the star in the upright position every single time. It'll give you three upright stars. Then you have to figure out how much to rotate each star. Um, so I just had to kind of trial and error get that. But I think it came out pretty close right there. Yeah.
Okay, so that that was a lot. Um, hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, I think JavaScript is good. Like I said earlier, one, you can make a web game out of it, which you can just give people your URL. And just put, host it wherever you can host it. And you got to share it out. You don't, you don't have to buy anything. You don't have to download Unity. You don't have to download Game Maker. You don't have to pay any money. All you need is a web browser, which is pretty cool. And you can make a game or make artwork. I started getting into looking at SVG, Scalable Vector Graphics, but that's a talk for another time. That's why I just implemented everything in pure JavaScript. So I hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, I'll have to think about some, some talking about for next month. Uh, so until next time, I uh, appreciate everyone listening and watching.